Are you one of the many couples who began your relationship in what we call the high octane or honeymoon stage, but now life has you wondering, where did all that love and connection go? Hey, if this sounds like part of your current story, welcome to the Red Truck Marriage Podcast. We want to help you experience God's best in marriage, a relationship that is stronger, deeper, and more exciting than ever before. So meet my wife and co-host, Stuart Anderson. And he's my husband and co-host, Dr. David Anderson. It's time for you to become the heroes of your marriage story. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Red Truck Marriage Podcast. David and I are so happy to be with you today because this episode is all-inclusive. By that, we mean every person, young and old, married and unmarried, male, female, rich and poor. You get the picture. Everybody needs to hear this podcast. Wow, I guess that does cover everybody. (laughs) You know, we do believe that our conversation today has an application for all of us. Like many of you who follow the Red Truck Marriage podcast, you've heard us talk more than once about the power of narrative Mm -hmm. or self-talk. It is directly connected to how we feel and then what we do. So I hope this inspires you today as we look at another way to use this great truth. Now, you may remember that we don't endorse the technique of positive thinking or positive narrative just for the sake of being positive to make us feel good. No, what we endorse is truthful thinking, discerning what is true and telling ourselves the truth. Yes, and that is so important, which Stuart just said. Truth is such a powerful force. The scripture even says it, like it says it this way, that the truth is powerful enough to set us free. You may say now, like, David, free from what? Well, my overarching answer is free from anything that's not God's best in ourselves. Hmm. What do I mean by that? I mean, any emotion that locks us down or, like, keeps us from living our best life. Emotions such as fear and anxiety and destructive anger. And here's a big one. And this is the one we're going to talk about today. Shame. Yes. David and I just operate with this notion that almost all destructive behavior is deeply rooted in shame. And if you've heard of Brene Brown or any of her work, you will Uh, know that her research Mm. revealed that this is a common dynamic. So we know we're speaking to many of you, and we hope that what we say today is going to resonate strongly. And it really is. And since you mentioned Brene Brown, which I love her to death, Mm -hmm. uh, we will, let's put the, uh, the in our show notes, the link to the TED Talk that she does on vulnerability. Oh, that would be perfect. So remind me to do that. That's a really awesome, awesome TED right, Talk. Right. So what we're talking about is that overwhelming sense that we're just not enough. And we've described it before as sort of the imposter syndrome. We just believe that we're unworthy as husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and 
Children of God and school teachers, you name it, we're just one moment away from being found out that we're not truly measuring up to what we think, hope people think about us. Yeah, I like that. You know, and it's very true. And this unworthiness is not a feeling. And I, I want to be clear about that. You know, like we may say, I feel so unworthy. No, it's a thought. The feeling it produces are ultimately the feeling is the feeling of shame. But you know how shame presents itself? It presents itself with what we call a secondary emotion. That is an emotion behind the emotion. Mm-hmm. And the, the emotion, the secondary emotion, are those things we mentioned earlier. Things like fear and anxiety and destructive anger, depression, resentment, and so on. And then the action follows. So you may have heard this on a previous episode when we talked about managing emotions. Thoughts or narrative that produces my feelings, and then my feelings determine my actions. So then the following actions, like with fear and anxiety, destructive anger and depression and those things I just mentioned, uh, we blow up. Maybe we withdraw or maybe we act in this narcissistic way that, you know, we're, we're, we're defensive and it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we eat a lot, you know, to soothe ourselves. Or watch this one, use drugs and alcohol to numb the feelings. Listen, I, I want to say a few things about drugs and alcohol. And although this isn't really the, the focus of our, our, our episode today, but I, I do want to mention this. You know the problem with drugs and alcohol? The problem is, is that they work. Now, what do I mean by by that? Like drugs and alcohol, they do numb feelings. I have never met a person in therapy who abuses alcohol or other drugs who didn't have in their story something they tied to feelings of guilt and shame as well. And now they're trying to numb it. But the real problem with the drugs and alcohol is that it numbs all feelings. See, here's the thing. Drugs and alcohol, they don't discriminate feelings. They also numb feelings of joy or gratitude, even happiness. That's why oftentimes I'll have kids or, or children of al- alcoholics. Sometimes they're, they're uh, adult children of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll come into my office and they'll say, you know, I never really felt connected to my mom or my dad, whichever one was using, because my mom or dad, they weren't emotionally present. Why? Because they were numbing their feelings. So... That's all I'm going to say about abusing substances today, but because I want to get back to this this whole topic of narrative or self-talk um, and the unworthiness which results in this feeling of shame. Yes, David, I think I think it's important here to distinguish between the power of conviction and shame. Yes. I, you know, I believe conviction is a good thing. It's that inner voice that says I did something wrong and I need to change it. Where shame says I am something wrong. Mm. Let me explain it this way. I remember once uh, summer I was teaching school and I had 
a child of the principal in my class. And this child got in trouble one day, and I just gave him consequences like I would for any student in my class. And he left and went crying to his mother. So I Ooh, went later, to the boss. <laughs> yes, went to the boss. I walked down to the office to go and talk and um, started saying, I know your son was crying. And she stopped me right there. And she goes, uh-uh, don't you worry. He was crying tears of good guilt. And mm. I just loved that term at the time because it's so explained. She said, he knew he was wrong and he needed to change it. So that's what I mean by conviction. Right. But not shame. Correct. Not shame. Right. I didn't want to relay that. I, I like that story. I really do. Uh, he was feeling a real healthy conviction. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's which good. Is that's not a great word. A difficult thing for children to live through. Thanks okay. for that, honey. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certainly a place for conviction. It's that inner voice that it serves as our compass. And by the way, all of us are confronted with those things about us that we know in our gut, this is not God's best coming out of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I certainly have those moments and I need to change it. And if I can't on my own, I need to ask for help. But it doesn't mean we're something wrong like damaged goods, worthless, and so on. Mm. It's simply conviction that says I need to change it. Right. That that distinction needs to be clear. So practically speaking about day-to-day examples, how do we recognize when our narrative or self-talk is producing feelings of shame? You know, in those small daily moments. Man, that is such a great question. Uh, Actually, Honey, I want to throw that back on to you, all right? <laughs> what, what did you have in mind by small daily moments um, when we potentially produce feelings of shame? What, what do you have in mind? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I want to help everyone recognize the moments of the day when this happens. You know, it could mm-hmm. be, for example, when you're cooking dinner and the kitchen's a mess and your husband's coming home or a neighbor pops in and what do we start doing? Apologizing right away that things are dirty instead Mm -hmm. of recognizing we're just cooking dinner. Or it could be when your child is looking for their favorite t-shirt and it's still in the dirty laundry basket. And all of a sudden we tell ourselves we're not measuring up as a mother or a parent. But then let me throw this example out, this big example. It happens when we scroll through social media and start comparing ourselves and we see example after example that we just don't measure up. Yes. Boy, that is a killer. The comparisons, that, 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 that kind of thing that goes on in our narrative is such a shame producer. Mm-hmm. Because generally speaking, I don't know if you notice this, but generally speaking, when we compare ourselves to someone else, it's like, what are we doing comparing ourselves at all for, exactly. for one thing? But, you know, we compare ourselves to like this this beautiful looking person that has it all together. It'd be like me comparing myself, and this is gonna kind of date me some, to like Michael Jordan and his athleticism. Like, I have no business comparing myself to him. You know, he's a freak of nature. And, but it sets us up for a great amount of shame. So I appreciate you talking about that in the context of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, generally speaking, whenever we are acting in a manner that is outside of what we call the gesture of love, either towards ourselves or someone else, 
you know, that is a telltale sign that there perhaps is something shame-based going on, something that has taken away my ability to love well. Uh, I hope that makes sense. You know, the scripture defines love this way. It's being patient, kind, humble, uh, persevering, faithful, hopeful, uh, rejoicing in the truth, uh, to name a few. Listen, take the example of being a parent. Those moments when I have not been the dad, or maybe the mom, that I want to be. Perhaps I showed anger, acting like over the top, or being very uh, passive or permissive to my children. I can guarantee you this one thing, folks, that behind all my nonsense is a dad who tells himself, I'm a failure as a father, or I'm unworthy to be this child's dad, and so on. Mm. Mm. I think one of the most important things you said right then was when we have uh, we identify that we're not being loving towards ourselves mm-hmm. as well as others. So important. So what is this antidote to shame? Because if we said shame is so destructive and even paralyzing, and none of us are immune to it. You know, I, I believe it all gets back to our narrative or our self-talk. I, I really do. It, there's so much power in it. Replacing those old habits of thinking that tell us we're not enough. Mm-hmm. Listen, l- let me tell you a story. I-, I have some guys in my life who I, j- I just dearly love. Like, we've known each other for years. Like, I- I'm talking 25 years ago when we were all on staff with Young Life Youth Ministry. Like, that's how far back it goes. And we, we were great friends then and even greater friends now. So we're constantly... Currently, we're texting pictures to each other of things we cook, like because we're all really proud of things we cook. Sometimes it may be a video uh, with lots of commentating as though like we're on the food channel, you know, Uh, it's not exactly, at least when I do it, my best, like uh, humble person, right? (laughs) I don't show a lot of humility uh, on these texts or videos. but we always end the message with this hashtag that says, my signature move. Like the other day, I made this amazing hamburger. And let me tell you what my signature move is. I'm getting off track a little bit, but I got to tell you this. So I'm, I'm, I have this hamburger on the grill. And I, I like to take onions and I kind of saute them on the grill right? And get them caramelized. And then I'll put them on top of the patty. And then watch this. Here's my signature move. I'll take cheese and put it on top of the onions. I know you're getting hungry (laughs) thinking about this. And that cheese melts all through those onions Mm. and it kind of anchors the onion, you know, onto the hamburger. So I, I make this amazing signature move hamburger. And I take a picture of it and send it to all my fellas. And with that hashtag, my signature move. So <laughs> here's the thing. Let me tell you where I'm going with all this. One of these guys the other day, he had his birthday. And as the texting started that morning with birthday wishes, 
and there's four of us. One text read this, Today we celebrate one of God's signature moves Hmm. when he made you. Like, is my my friend this perfect or flawless person? Like, no, he's not. Not at all. He's just like me. But see, here's the thing. Being perfect is not the criteria for being God's signature move. Like on his birthday, and if if this happens to be your birthday, one, one of you folks that are out there listening, think of it like this is a day we're celebrating God's signature move mm-hmm. on your life. Listen, in the creation story, God took a few days, as many of you know, to create this whole place and all the animals and birds and the fish, etc., everything on the earth. And then, you know, after each day, What he said was, it is good. But then, that last day, when he made you in his image, as the scripture says, and he looked at everything he made, and he looked at you, and put you in charge of everything, you know what he said? It wasn't, it is good, but he says, ah. Very good. Very good. See, the truth is, it is impossible for you or me to be something wrong or unworthy, regardless of our story. And I know, listen, every person listening, we all have our story, that stuff in our story that we're perhaps we we feel bad about or we don't want others to know and those things that, golly, if we could just write it up ourselves, it wouldn't be in our story. But regardless of our story, you have been made in his, that is with a big capital H, Mm -hmm. image. That is a truthful way to think, friends. It is a truthful narrative. And Stuart, you asked me, like, what is the antidote to shame? Mm Mm-hmm. I believe with everything I have, that's it. Oh, honey, what a beautiful way to describe that. That's what we want you to hear today. Mm. You know, um, one of our favorite musical artists is Lauren Daigle, and she has this fabulous song entitled You Say, and some of the lyrics of that song are just going to convey the same message. So let let me read you some of the lines. Awesome. One of the lines in her song is, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. And then she goes on to say, remind me, just as she's talking to the Lord, remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Mm. And then she says, you say I am loved and you say I am strong and you say, Lord, I am held. And when I don't belong, oh, you say that I am yours. And then down further, she says, in you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Mm, I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Stuart. I love that song so much. Um, You know, did you, and speaking of Lauren Daigle, like, did you folks know, and honey, you may not know this either, that... Like one YouTube version of that song 
got like over 150 million <laughs> no, hits. I did like, not know that. Yes. And why do you think so many people, you know, wanted to hear that song, over 150 million, just one version of it? The reason why is because they resonate. We as a people resonate with her song because it's relevant. None of us are immune to the shame thing in this narrative that is a lie. We, we're going to put a link to Lauren Daigle's uh, YouTube yes. video Let's in bump our up show that notes as well. Okay. <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah. Well, now it's time for our call to action. As we always say, without a call to action, there is no growth, and we must be intentional if we want to have change in our lives. Yes, we do. And, you know, we want you to start uh, checking your narrative, mm-hmm. like getting in the habit of checking your narrative. Notice when you start heading towards that shame train, right? Yeah. Uh, it happens quickly, folks, and sometimes without warning, because it's such a habit. Thinking is such a habit. Our self-talk is such a habit. Then ask yourself, Is this a time when I'm telling myself I'm unworthy? Hmm. I also want you to write on a card. And, you know, some of you are going to say, David, that's kind of hokey, (laughs) you know, a little bit to to ask me to do this. But be hokey today, okay? Because (laughs) I want you to. Uh, I want you to write on a card and just a simple index card. I am God's signature move. Put it on a card and put it in bold. And then I want you to put the reference on it. It's Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And that's the the part of the creation story where God said he made you both male and female. He made us in his image or in his likeness. So I want you to reference it with Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and then take that card and put it in the most visible place that you can possibly see it in your house. Yes, that will be so powerful because there is power in writing things down and having it in front of your eyes. We're so glad you're with us today. We really do consider it a great privilege to be a small part of your story. Know that you are God's signature move and worthy to drive the red truck in your marriage today. Bye for now. 